it's the people. I mean, I, our employees, um, our customers, the landowners we're, we're dealing with. I just think that this industry um, cultivates really good people. Rocks Exploration, our family-owned small business, this is Rocks Energy, a show about the oil and gas industry as we live it and breathe it each day. I'm Adam Oxen. Let's get on with the show. Matt Vickers, welcome to the Rocks Energy podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited and appreciate you coming on. So if you had to sum up in like one line, what Vickers Construction does. What do you guys do? Yeah, so we're primarily an oil and gas construction company. Um, we've got a heavy equipment side that builds pads for drilling rigs, lease roads, do a lot of maintenance work to repair um, lease roads, set cattle guards, fencing, culverts, haul a lot of rock, that kind of thing. Um, we also have a, a roustabout service that is plumbing in tank batteries, building new production facilities, um, anything around that maintenance as well, swapping out um, heater treaters, um, fire tubes, that kind of thing. And then we do a, a small amount of pipeline work, mostly gathering systems, natural gas, we, you know, poly, poly lines for produced water. Um, and then, you know, there's a, a small portion of our business, maybe 10% or less around commercial dirt work where we're building building pads for um, retail, schools, churches, um, done some federal work on Fort Sill, Fort, Fort Chaffee, building, uh, building pads, parking lots. And, uh, and then, you know, we haven't done much lately, but historically we've done um, some housing development uh, civil work as well, cutting in roads, building house pads, cul-de-sacs, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, we, we kind of cover it all. That's awesome. That's great. And so you guys, this is a small family business. How long, when, when's the, what's the origin story? Who started the business? What year? Tell us a little bit about how Vickers construction started. Sure. Yeah. My dad, Steve Vickers started in 1987. So this year we're celebrating our 35th year business. But um, back in 87, he had oh, eight or nine employees, a backhoe, a dozer, and a, and a couple trucks. Um, and it was started right here in Lindsay, Oklahoma, where we are today. Um, and, you know, he's just grown it into what it is today. He, he retired around eight years ago or so. Um, my brother, I've got a brother that runs the, the roustabout side. I run the heavy equipment side, but he and I got involved on a management level in 2012. So we're kind of celebrating our 10 year anniversary of kind of being at the helm. Nice. Congrats. Um, yeah, thanks. We, uh, but we can remember as kids, we, I grew up with my mom in Arkansas, but would spend the summers with my dad in Oklahoma. And we, you know, there was always plenty of work for the boys to do. And, um, I can remember as a kid running a cutting torch, cutting up scrap iron and selling it. Dad was real fair to us. He'd, he'd loan us the truck trailer and torch 
and then any money we can get from cutting up and selling scrap iron, we got to put in our pocket. And um, but was always around the business as a kid and and around um, the employees. And and honestly, we've got I don't know eight or ten that are still with us that have been with us twenty plus years that I can remember as a kid. That's awesome. Um, so it's kind of like yeah. a whole family affair. Even like like you said, you kind of grew up like in the business and around these employees, like, what was that like? I mean, do you have any like cool stories? And like, also, I guess two part questions. What was that like growing up? And I guess knowing some of these employees, like kind of multi-generational, like from a kid's viewpoint to now like running the business, there's that. But then also like, did you always know you wanted to help run dad's business someday? Like tackle those two kind of questions. Sure, yeah. So the first one is is at the top of my mind, a truck driver that has been with us, um, well, last week, Jimmy Sheets celebrated his 33rd year of being with Vickers Construction. That's and awesome. Yeah, he's he is a big character. He keeps us all smiling around here and has for 33 years. <laughs> when I was a kid, I can remember, you know, dad wouldn't want to get a babysitter. And if Jimmy didn't have any rock to haul that day, he'd just say, Jimmy, why don't you go take the boys fishing? And so from, you know, 10 years old or younger, uh, I can remember Jimmy picking us up and taking us to the local fishing hole. And um, he, he, you'd have to know Jimmy, but we got quite the education on those fishing trips. <laughs> Some things that uh, we'll just keep between Jimmy and I. But he's uh, so so he's you know, it's you're right. I mean, it, it, he was a hero of mine when I was a kid. And, uh, and then now over the last 10 years, I rely on him tremendously to, you know, um, help run our business and, and drive the truck. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of frustrations that we face and, and, um, challenges that y you just, you don't think of them when you're a kid going fishing, but now I, I, I've gotten the full perspective of what Jimmy contributes to Vickers construction every day. And, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of our proudest, um, aspects of the, of this business is the people that we have, have been with us 33 years. You know, we've got some that have been with us from the get go and, and that loyalty is a two way street. Uh, my dad's beat into us our entire lives that our business is only as good as our people. And I think the reason Vickers has found such success over three decades is because we've got some of the best people in the industry. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're incredibly proud of our guys and, and couldn't do it without them. And, um, that is the reason Vickers has the reputation and, and has the success they do. It's because of the guys that have been here and, um, and, you know, have been for, for, for a long time. Yeah, that's great. Matt, did you know, I mean, now you said your, your father started the business in 87, uh, Russ started Rocks in 1989. Did you know, like you mentioned that, like uh, uh, relying on Jimmy or nowadays, but not knowing at the time what all he did. Was it was the same true for your dad? I know like, like my dad was carrying, I think a lot of stress running the business, starting the business up from scratch, but we never saw that as kids. It was just like, uh, you know, mom would be like, well, uh, uh, this well didn't hit good or well, uh, this one was a dry hole, but like we never knew like any, anything otherwise, like it was a great childhood and all that was, what, what was, what was your experience like with, uh, 
with being the the child of a small business owner. Yeah, no, you you. It's funny, and and I, I guess it goes for our kids as well. They just think dad goes to work and comes home, and there's long days, and some days we even get to cut out early, go pick them up from school. Um, I was totally clueless to any of the stress that that dad was under, any business owner would be under. I think that's just the innocence of being a, a kid, and uh, we want to preserve it for ours, you know. And um, but yeah, that I think. <laughs> It doesn't take long once you're in the captain's seat to realize what kind of stress any business owners under in any industry. I think the oil and gas industry, particularly in the last two, three years, has provided plenty of stress for anyone, um, especially a, a business owner. Um, so, no, I was I was oblivious as a kid. I, you know, I knew he was working a lot and there were plenty of nights where dad didn't come home and there were most mornings he was gone to work before I ever woke up. Um, I just thought that that was adult stuff that didn't concern me much. Um, over the last 10 years, I, I, I've gotten real acquainted with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, stepped into those shoes. No, I hear you. So let's think about like a little bit right now. You mentioned employees like um, that you guys have had a lot there, you know, that have been a part of your uh, business now for, you know, like you said, Jimmy, over 30 years, some 25 years, some 10 years. Um, what's that been like in this up and down of the oil and gas industry? Like you mentioned the past couple of years, been plenty of moments for stress. What does that look like for you guys? Um, I guess on the labor side, like, uh, what on the, on the downturn with less activity in the field, um, now with the upturn and fuel prices going up and those kind of impacts, what, what does that look like for you guys, labor and like fuel prices? Sure. You know, we, we've always by design run pretty lean. Um, the guys that work for us would rather have 60 hours, 70 hours in a, in a week's time than they would 25 hours, 30 hours. So, um, we take our, our growth and our shrink very seriously and um we've been pretty diligent to try to to try to maintain a, a core group of guys and not have you know not hire and fire according to the the most current project we got going so when we had this big downturn in 2020 um we were fortunate to be able to retain everybody um there were you know a lot of guys that were used to bigger checks because they were working, you know, 60, 70 hours in a week. And now we were just trying to spread the work around to give everybody a solid paycheck, 35, 40 hours a week. Um, we all adjusted to that, that smaller workload. Um, but we, you know, we were fortunate that we got some customers that are really loyal to us, such as rocks. And so, um, you know, without creating work, if there was maintenance needs or if there was, um, you know, anything that we could do to try to keep some guys busy, uh, we were doing it. Um, we, so I guess to answer your question, we've, we've grown in the last couple of years, um, mostly probably in the last eight months, just because the workload has increased so much. Um, but we were fortunate back in 2020 when there was that big downturn, um, and even previous years where it's where it's slowed down, 
we've kept our core guys and um, kept them busy. And I think that's due to the relationship we have with our customers, the, um, you know, our, our reputation and our stability being in Lindsay, Oklahoma for 35 years. So the, the, you know, the P and L, the books have certainly seen it and we've had to adjust that way. Um, but as far as our, our, um, team, we've been really fortunate to, to not have to lay many guys off and, and, um, we've been pretty stable through all the ups and downs. That's good. That's great. Um, what about like gas prices? I mean, fuel's up. Not you guys got heavy machinery. Your what does that do to your to your bottom line or or you know what's that look like? Sure, we you know we um, we have held the same rates as far as heavy equipment, dozers, track hoes, back hoes, um, that kind of thing since I got here in 2012. We were working on the same rates up until. Um, gosh, earlier this year. And it's something that, you know, we want to be able to have um, consistency with our customers. So we've been able to hold that for, for, you know, eight years. Um, Even though the, the workload may change or the price of oil may change um, because of these escalated fuel prices, just recently, we've had to adjust some of those rates you know, surcharges, fuel surcharges are always, in my opinion, or the feedback I get from our customers are something that they don't really love to, to see on an invoice. So instead of us just tacking a percentage on the bottom and calling it a fuel surcharge, we, we just recently had to up our, our hourly rates on some of our heavy equipment and one tons and pickups and things. Um, we're definitely getting hit at the pump, but the workload that is directly correlated with these higher gas prices, um, is helping offset that expense. Um, and then, you know, it, it may be earlier when, when gas wasn't so high, we might be, if it were convenient to go fill up the dozers with, um, clear diesel, we would, because it's just not that big of an impact on the business. Well, now I've been real, adamant with all the guys that we've got to go even it's a a bit out of our way um we got to get dyed diesel in our off-road equipment um we'll start we've started setting fuel tanks on a job site and have a fuel truck come fill it up with dyed diesel so that we're just we 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 kind of prevent any of that added cost of fuel by burning clear diesel and off-road equipment um anything that we can do to manage our cost will allow us to do a better service for our customers. So, um, ultimately that, that fuel expense is, you know, we're trying to get creative to mediate that, that expense. Hey, it's Adam here. I wanted to tell you more about rocks exploration at rocks. We drill, complete and operate oil and gas wells right here in Oklahoma. What does that mean? That means we make money through the drill bit by drilling for and producing oil and gas. But we also make money for our working interest partners. What's a working interest partner? That's an individual or small business that invests in an oil and gas well. It's not unlike a real estate investment. You see, drilling a well is extremely costly from geology to land to legal to drilling and completion and production. It takes a lot of time, resources, and people. 
Rocks takes care of all of that, and our working interest partners align with us to take advantage of our expertise and experience. Each drilling project brings together tax write-offs and potentially high ROIs. So if you're interested in learning more about Rocks exploration and our drilling projects, head to rocks.energy. That's www.rox.energy to find out more. So explain uh, a little bit like um, for someone maybe listening to this episode that has doesn't understand like uh, what it looks like to, you know, they, they might know what a, a, a drilling rig looks like or maybe even what a pump jack looks like, but they haven't thought about, well, that location that these operations take place on have to be built out by somebody. Can you explain that process a little bit um, for maybe someone who's never thought about that, uh, maybe not in the oil and gas industry? Um, break that down for them. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> and and that process has really kind of evolved even since um, I've been in the position I'm in. But ultimately, um, you know, typically what will happen is uh, we'll get a call and say Rock's Exploration needs a pad. Um I'll I'll drive out to the site and we'll find a, a stake in the ground, a surveyor's stake. Um, generally, it's a, a it's a whole stake or where the well bore is going to be. Occasionally, we'll get four corners and no, but but we'll be given or prescribed um, the dimensions of the pad. Um, and so, what what kind of determines how the pad is built is the existing lay of the land or the topography of the the site. Um, before a, a piece of equipment starts turning dirt, and so there's they come in all shapes and sizes, you know. But if if uh, an EMP company wants to drill one on a on a hill, then it's a matter of um, getting some bulldozers there, and we'll we'll just we'll we'll level a pad so that a drilling rig can get there, build a road. Um, you know, we're thinking about what runoff is going to happen in a rain rainstorm. So we'll have to establish where some culverts are going to go, or we'll look and see if, if the landowner's got cattle, if we're going to have to have cattle guards or fencing around the pad. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing dirt um, and creating a cut slope and a fill slope so that what was a hill is now a, a flat pad that a drilling rig can, can access. And then, you know, if the, if the oil company stakes a well that's in the bottom of a wheat field, we, um, there's no hill to cut to, to level. We'll start sourcing, um, a type of fill material so that we, um, and we hope to source it as close to the site as possible. Um, from either you know a local farmer or landowner that's willing to sell us dirt or a commercial dirt pit that may be in the area and so that that looks like us you know loading that dirt into our trucks hauling it to the site where the rig wants to drill and just um, placing it um, packing it as we go a lot of times we'll put a little water in the dirt so that it compacts tighter and and we'll build the pad essentially out of the ground um in in the wheat field bottom and and the same with the road I, i'd mentioned the evolution of oil and gas construction something that rocks is doing and, and a lot of our customers are doing now and i think it is in response to you know you, you never know what the weather's going to do but 
these drilling rigs are tremendously heavy and they come in multiple loads on heavy haul trucks. And so, um, if it's a downpour that, that rig's not willing to wait for the, for the rainstorm to pass and for the pad to dry out. And so really most of our customers are asking for an all weather pad the minute we turn it over to them. And so soil stabilization has become, um, a big thing in pad construction. And essentially what that is, is we will, we will have the pad built, um, the dirt will be level, the road will be built. Um, but before we haul any rock in any surface rock gravel for the surface of the, of the pad, we'll haul in, um, either Portland cement or CKD CKD, I think stands for concrete kiln dust, which is a, just a byproduct of how they're making cement. And that'll come in a truck and we'll spread it. Oh, anywhere from three to four inches thick on the dirt pad that we have and then we use what's called a recycler it's a bomag bomags manufacturer that makes these recyclers but um, it's essentially just a big tiller and we till the portland cement or ckd into the dirt about eight ten inches deep um, generally we'll dry till it once just in the dirt and then we'll use a water truck and spray fresh water on that dirt and cement mixture, um, till it in again, just so that it's all mixed really well and then compact it and roll it and lay it down, make sure it's on grade. And then we'd like to let it kind of set up or bake out for a day or two. Um, it, 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 it's not concrete. It's not like, you know, ready mix concrete and it doesn't have the same compressive strength as concrete, but it will certainly turn, um, a pad into something that if it's raining, um, it's, it, 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 it kind of gives us a, uh, insurance policy that no matter what the weather does, that pad's going to hold up for the rig to be able to come in, do their thing and, and get out of there. And, and then we'll still put rock on it, but it, it, it can eliminate, you know, if we don't soil stabilize a pad, I would encourage somebody to put six inches of rock on the pad. If we do stabilize the pad, then you can get away with two or three inches of rock. So there's some technology that's changing and, and um, kind of the materials and methods for oil, oil and gas construction that's that's changing. And I think it's changing in a good way. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned also um, uh, like slow time, downtime, you guys trying to think about maintenance and doing that for customers. What about, do you guys do any remediation? Like what does it look like to, if say uh, an operator has plugged a well and uh, now they've got to take that location and restore the land um, back to the way it was. You guys do that as well, I assume. We do, uh, yeah. 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 What's we, that look like? You know, it's it's always kind of mixed feelings about getting those calls because that means that one of our customers has probably hit a dry hole or, you know, maybe it's an old well that's just not producing anymore. So I, I know that it it can sometimes be money that our customers have to spend that they don't, they don't want to spend. We'd, we'd rather be building new pads for big, great producing wells. Absolutely. Um, but you know, a job's a job. And so we, we get excited anytime we have a job. Um, um, but it is kind of a bummer because we want success for all our customers and, Generally, that's that's not um, a profitable thing for oil and gas companies. But no, it, it, and but it's it's 
it's good work and, and we do a lot of it. Um, so that process would be, you know, we try to uh, scrape up and pile up all the surface rock that was once on that pad. Cause generally, generally we're the, the landowners going to want this to go back to pasture or, you know, there's a few that we've done recently that were in housing developments. You know, when the drill, when the well was drilled, it was probably just a, a pasture, but over the last 30, 40 years, a, a housing development has, has been built around this well. Um, and so we're, we're just trying to clean it up, uh, get the rock out of there and we'll haul it to a dump site or we'll stockpile it on another location. Um, and then, you know, we're looking for topsoil on site to try to cover up any just red dirt. If they're wanting that to go back to pasture, occasionally we'll haul in topsoil to put over top red dirt for, uh, for pasture, housing development. Um, you know, my, my brother on the roustabout side, uh, before I show up, he'll even break down the, the old production facilities. We'll load up and haul off the tanks. We'll, um, you know, pull out the heater treaters or separators and, and any flow lines we'll dig up, um, pull those out and then ultimately just try to make it look like it did before that rig ever showed up. Yep. That's awesome. I think, I think what's interesting about perceptions like in the outside world is like oil and gas, um, locations are like dirty there that we're not environmentally friendly um, that we don't take care of our surroundings, but the best operators, the best um, construction companies like you guys, we, we do a dadgum good job of, of what we do. So, you know, we keep our, you, you guys do a good job of building a nice location. Uh, we do a good job as an operator, keeping that location looking good. And uh, we hire engineers or consultants who do the same thing. They run that thing like an organized yard, it's all military precision where everything should be. And then when the well's not economical anymore, if you have to plug the well or if it's a dry hole, well, you put it back the way you found it. And if not exactly the same, even better. Um, so I think that's one thing that probably, you know, just one of those things And unless you're in the industry, unless you're doing those things, you don't know about um, and how happy landowners are a lot of times, especially, I mean, we've built great roads uh, for landowners. Um, when we're putting in a location or put a nice gate in for them, or even heck one of them years ago, uh, you know, a pond, you know, ended up there after the fact. Um, so, um, that's just some of those stories, you know, people don't hear, um, and they just think, oh, oil and gas, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. And really, uh, we do a good job by, uh, landowners and, and for the environment and ultimately for society by providing, you know, the energy that, that powers, our daily lives. But um, kind of wrapping up here, like, Matt, we've talked a little bit about like uh, the family business and like, um, you know, you growing up in it and, and uh, you know, seeing it from childhood and kind of now where you're managing a portion of the business. What is it? Uh, what's, I guess, two part question. What, what are your favorite things about, you know, running your own business? And what are your least favorite? What are your what, what are the things you don't look forward to or your least favorite things about running your own business? Yeah, sure. The, the favorites is an easy one. It's the people. I mean, I, our employees, um, our customers, the landowners we're, we're dealing with. I just think that this industry, um, 
cultivates really good people. Um, the state of Oklahoma, I mean, it's, uh, I'll tell a quick story if you don't mind. We were, we were building a, a, a pad or just arriving with a bulldozer and a, and a uh, equipment haul truck. And I remember thinking, man, we are going right behind this guy. We're building it in his backyard and he's got a playground. It's fenced off. We're probably, I don't know, 30 feet off of his fence line to the edge of location. And there's this young family, the mother's in the backyard. She's playing with a young kid. And, um, the dad, I guess was in the house, but I just, I just thought, man, these guys are going to hate us. And we've got to, we're going to, you know, build a pad in their backyard. They're going to have a drilling rig here and it's going to be loud. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be something they're not used to. And, you know, you get all types in the oil and gas industry. Um, Some want you there, some don't. And I just thought this guy's, this guy's really going to have some words for me. And so the dad peels out of the the back door and he's kind of checking out what we're doing. He comes over to the fence line he says, Hey, come here. He motions for me to come see him. So I scurry over there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can we do for you? And it was a hot summer day. And he goes, listen, I know y'all are building this pad here. There's no reason for any of your guys to get hot, get thirsty. If they need them a, a glass of water or, or a cup of tea, you just tell them to come to the house and, and, and we'll have them a pitcher of iced tea or, or, or cold water. And it just, it, you know, it, it really made an impression on me that here we are, he's got nothing to gain by us disrupting his property and building a pad just really close to his backyard where his kids play. Um, but yet still he was kind enough to, to offer, you know, iced tea and, and ice water for any of the guys that may get hot. Um, and it's That's the awesome. same with, with our employees. You know, I think um, my greatest moments of pride and joy are, are, the guys that I've seen, um, you know, they, they make a living with us and support their family and support their kids. And we actually now have, um, three generations working for us. A guy that Augustine, he's, he's a little older and just kind of sweeps the shop and, and hangs out around the, the office, takes out the trash and that kind of thing. He's enjoying his golden years, but his son, Tony, um, is my brother's right-hand man on the roustabout side, kind of a, a manager of the, the roustabout division. And now his son, which is Augustine's grandson, is a roustabout and pushing a crew. So um, to see to see these families really grow and prosper um, and, and Vickers being an integral part of that, man, that, that really um, fills us up with pride. And then being able to work with, you know, there's – don't get don't don't let me lie to you there's there's customers that are are um they they need a lot they they expect you to respond immediately we we try our best we do everything we can um for the most part that's a a joyous relationship and a in a in a fun business arrangement um and then there's other times where you know say things aren't going our way or or they've got something um, that they need right away and I can't get to it. Well, then we, then we lock horns a little bit, but for the most part, you know, I'd say my favorite thing about this industry is the people from, you know, everyday folks that we encounter on their land, um, building pads or, or, 
commercial work to the employees we got. I, I just can't tell you they're in my opinion. And, and really I think in, in, um, our customers opinion are the best in the industry. Um, we care about one another. We, we know each other's kids names. We celebrate each other's birthdays. Um, I've, I've been to a handful of quinceañeras. Um, we go to weddings. We, 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 we truly are family and we treat each other like that. And then on to customers. I, I just, I think the, the greatest aspect of our, of our industry is the people. Matt, I, I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, it's, it's great, great community, great, great people all through it, um, in this industry. So, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, and being on the show today, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, talking a little bit more and getting in to some of this. What, where do we send people if they want to find out more about Matt Vickers or Vickers Construction uh, website, LinkedIn? Where, where do we send people? Sure. Yeah, we're we're not super busy on on socials. We do have a website. It's uh, VickersConstruction.com. Um, and then, you know, uh, we're still pretty old school around here. You can always call the office if you need anything. Four zero five. 756-4386. Um, my email is matt at vickersconstruction.com. You can contact me directly. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're proud to be here for 35 years. Hope to have another 35 ahead of us. Yeah, all the best of luck. Thanks for being on, Matt. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Rock Synergy.